listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. So good to see you all this morning. Have y'all enjoyed worship so far? Good stuff. Yeah, awesome. Hey, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you don't have one, uh, the little black Bible that's in the back of the seat back, you can grab that. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can take that home and make it your own. That'd be awesome. But Ephesians chapter 4, um, we're going to start here in verse 17. I remember, I guess this was back in June or July, um, our boy Haddon was, uh, sorry, Carolina Tate was, wasn't feeling real good or something had gone on, so we were supposed to go to an event with uh, Lauren's work. So since Carolina Tate, our little girl, wasn't feeling great, uh, I stayed home with her. I'm sometimes accused of playing favorites. I don't, but I stayed home with her, and Lauren took Haddon to whatever event it was. And so um, as she kind of got a little bit better, I thought, hey, well, let's go for a walk at the park. Maybe that'll be good for her to get some fresh air. So we, we go to the park, and we go to the playground at uh, Quincy Park, our neighborhood. And as we're playing, another little boy, probably, I'm going to guess he's maybe, um, our, at the time, she was about a year and a half. I'm going to guess this guy was about four years old, maybe. So she's crawling around in the playground, and she's in the middle of one of those little tunnels that are on the playgrounds. And as she's, she's kind of sitting on the edge of the tunnel, like the entrance, so to speak. And the little boy comes up to the stairs right in front of her, and they're just in this stare down. And I didn't fault her because she's a year and a half and she doesn't really know what's going on, right? And I won't really fault him, but as a four-year-old, it was kind of awkward. He's just staring at her. And I'm standing right there. I'm like, you, you guys okay? You good? And the little boy out of nowhere goes, <laughs> God said, little girls can't come to the playground. <laughs> and I was like, what? What did he just say? And she just like, just death stared right back at him. And then he said, again, he said, God said, little babies can't come to the playground. <laughs> And so I, I'm like, well, so I pick her up and start to move her to another side of the playground. What I wanted to do is say, God said to punch little boys like you, right? <laughs> Which I didn't. Um, but it, it really was funny. I was like, what? Like, who? What is wrong with this child, right? Like, what church do you go to, man? <laughs> um, but it was funny because I obviously had some interesting ideas about God and what God desires. And the reality is that we, we do the same as Christians. I think we can tend to have this pendulum of, um, like in his case, maybe some weird ideas about God and that we think it's all about rules. Like I have to do all these things or I'll mess it up. I got to do all these exact, like it's all, all about morality. Or we have kind of this other idea, which is really prevalent in culture. I think that idea over there is maybe real prevalent in church, but there's this other idea that just says, look, bro, God loves me. It's all good. <laughs> like he just wants me to be happy. So I'll do whatever feels good to me. Do you see that? That, that pendulum of kind of it's just all happy and rainbows and sunshine and what makes me feel good. Or over here, it's just it's kind of this legalistic morality thing. And what I love about it, throughout Ephesians, Paul kind of brings us to center of saying, it's not just like all these rules, but it's not just that like God wants you just to be happy. Like he loves you, yes, but it's not just that. I think in Ephesians, he brings us to kind of center. And especially in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, where we're going to start, is this idea of 
to use the same metaphor I'm using, because of the fact that God does love you, he does care about you, the cross is proof of that, because of that, there are some ways that you should live. There are some things that you, you should do. So it's making this connection between the love of God and the, the way that we live. Does that make sense? And in this passage, he's going to kind of unpack that. How should the love of Jesus change my everyday life? And that's a relevant question because he should change your everyday life. So how should it change your life? Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So first of all, he says, here's how the love of Jesus should change your life. You shouldn't keep walking like people who don't know Jesus. <laughs> when he says Gentiles there, that's uh, to sum it up very simply, don't act like in your everyday life, don't act like people who don't know God. Don't act like people who don't have a relationship with him. He says, don't walk, don't live like they do. So it's kind of like, just because everybody else is like, like walking like this doesn't mean that you have to walk the same way just because they're doing. And he kind of, in the rest of those few verses, he unpacks how it is they walk. He says, I'm still in verse 17 towards the end. He says, in the futility of their minds. What in the world does that mean? So futility, useless, vain, right? But to the Jewish reader, they would have automatically connected that with, with idolatry, with the futility, the, the really stupidity, the vanity, the, the uselessness of idol worship. And they, I think what even maybe these readers, uh, uh, Ephesian readers, would have connected this with what Paul says back in Romans chapter 1, that they exchanged worship of the creator for created things. And that's futile. That's worthless. That's, that's in vain. And the futility of their minds. Isn't it interesting how what happens in your mind directs the course of your life? <laughs> We're going to talk about this later in November. We're going to do like a two or three week series on thoughts, um, the power of thoughts, the power of your mind. But here he says, so we know that your thought life, what you think about, really determines the course of your life. And their thoughts are centered on worshiping things that aren't God. And here's the reality, when you, when you don't center your thought life and, and really your whole life around God and you worship something else, you make something else the point of life, it becomes useless. Your life becomes in vain and you don't, you don't get anywhere. He continues, verse 18, he says, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So they, because... They, they don't worship God. They don't walk in the light. The, their view, their perspective, the lens through which they see the world is darkened. So they don't have the love and the light of God to guide their path, to, to, to um, lead them on the way that they should go. And to, for them to understand and see the love of God and that to like push and motivate their life. Because they're alienated from the life of God. That makes me think of back in chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, that, and he's talking about Christians before they knew Jesus. He says, you were alienated from God and without hope in the world. So he's saying these people that you're, you're not supposed to walk like, they don't have a relationship with God and they don't have the hope of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
So they're over and over and over again choosing their own way, choosing to rebel against God, choosing to do just what feels good rather than what God would want. They're choosing sin over, oh, excuse me, over the Savior, their hardness of heart. And because they keep repeating these same sins over and over again, it says, verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's kind of scary. Because they keep rebelling against God and rejecting God, they've become callous. So they've developed this, this life where they have no shame or embarrassment about any sin. Which, do we see that in our culture today? For sure. <laughs> like nothing is shameful anymore, it seems like. And because of that, they give themselves up to sensuality. So again, it's like what determines what they're going to do with their life is just what feels good. <laughs> is that a good way to, is that a smart way to live life? No. <laughs> Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So the, the lifestyle of someone who doesn't know God is to just dive into sin and swim around in it as much as they can. <laughs> and every kind of different sin. I'm going to check this out. Paul's saying, if you know Jesus, don't live like them. <laughs> there should be a difference in someone who doesn't know Jesus and someone who does know Jesus. Pretty simple, right? <laughs> don't walk like them. The problem with, I want to say this. What's sad about people who walk this way, who don't know Christ and just worship other things in God, is they're, they're, because they're callous and stuck in their way, they don't really see how bad their situation is, right? You talk to people sometimes and you, you realize they're not really aware of how dark their situation is. And again, that's, that's most of our world. And even as Christians, isn't it, when everybody's swimming a certain direction, isn't it tempting and easy just to kind of get in line and follow them and just do what, what seems normal? I think we, we have the, the bad habit of comparing ourselves to other people. So meaning, well, you know what? I may not be as godly and spiritual as my wife, Lauren, but I know, I know I'm way more spiritual than, than Richard Cruz, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. So we compare ourselves like, well, I, maybe I'm not going to be as good as Lauren, but as long as I'm not doing as bad as whoever, like, I, I'm probably okay. But Paul says in the next verse, no, no, no. You know better. Verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. So, look, you didn't learn to just do what the world does. No, he taught you a different way of life, of selfless living, God-centered living. He taught you the gospel. So you don't have to do what everyone else did. Verse 21, assuming, and the idea is that since, he's, he believes this is true, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So I want to pause here just for a moment again. He's about to get into more of this, like, so here's how your life should live, and here's what you should do. But do you see how it's all based on Jesus? This is not Paul just unrolling, like, all right, look at all these rules. No, he's saying because of Jesus, because of what you learned in him and the gospel and how you've learned the love he has for you and the purpose he has for you and the hope that he has for you and how he wants to use you in the world, because of those reasons, verse 22, 
Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Jay Hoffman's for these lovely mannequins here. <laughs> um, don't worry, it's not going to get weird, I promise. <laughs> oh, hey. Put off your old self. Like, there's, I love it when Paul gives me metaphors because it makes my job so easy, right? Put off your old self. It's this idea of um, clothing. Very lovely. I have no idea what is in that pocket. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So, again, don't walk like them. Put off the sinful ways of living for yourself, just doing what, feel good, doing what feels good, just choosing to live your life, make your decisions based on what you want rather than what God wants. I can't talk. What God wants. Living your life with the idea that God is out to get you. No, put that away. Put it away. I love that he says um, at the end of verse 22, it's corrupt through de deceitful desires. Did you know that you are your own worst enemy? <laughs> you can't trust your desires. Just because you want something or feel something doesn't mean that it's good for you or that like God gave you that desire. We should quit like putting divinity on every desire we have. Well, God made me this way. No, that's stupid, right? We're sinful. We're broken. You can't trust your desires. So, so put that up. Put it away. And instead, verse 23, you should be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to explain this jacket more later. If you're wondering why I own this jacket, that's a totally different story. <laughs> it is my jacket. It's a true story. I have some pants that match it really well, by the way. <laughs> Didn't want to go too far today. <laughs> Pastor David actually has the same exact outfit on right now. So <laughs> that'd be awesome. Put on the new self. So again, that's the image of put off the old self. Go to, to your new wardrobe that Christ has given you. Put on the new clothes, which is righteousness and holiness. It's, it's being like God. So putting on the character, the nature of God. <laughs> the new self. Now, this is important. Verse 23, where does this begin? To be renewed in the spirit of your what? Of your minds. Isn't this interesting? Part of putting off your old way of living before you knew Christ and putting on the new, the new way of living, living like God, starts just right here. Again, your, your mind is the steering wheel of your life. So choosing, I'm going to think like what Philippians says, I'm going to think on things that are true and lovely and good and pure. I'm going to choose to dwell on the gospel, on the goodness of Jesus. And as I, as I reframe my mind and, and put that different lens in front of my eyes and look at the world and myself through the gospel, I can begin to put on the right clothes, <laughs> to live and act and talk more like God. So I think there's, I really do think this is a, a one-point sermon or one-point even passage I think he's saying, so here's the question again. How should the love of Jesus change my everyday life? 
It's because of the love of Jesus, I should live like Jesus. <laughs> this is really simple. But I think it's simple, and Paul's giving it to us, because we don't do a very good job of this, right? <laughs> because of the love of Jesus, I should live like Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. Transformation always starts with the gospel. You can't just like pump yourself up. I'm going to be better today. I can do this. No, it begins with understanding God's love for you. Because of the love of Jesus, you got to understand that first. Because of that, you should live like Jesus. It's The reason I think it's a one-point sermon and not two points of put on and put off, excuse me, put off and put on, I think it's one, because you really can't just do one of them. Christianity, hello, is not just about what you don't do. If you think Christianity is about just what you don't do, I don't want to hang out with you because you're going to be like really legalistic and not much fun, right? I've never done any sin. Liar, right? It's not just about what you don't do. It's about putting on the new clothes. It's about a new you, a transformation. The gospel is not just about um, changing morality, and it's not just about your situation getting better, and because of Jesus, I'm happier. It's about a true transformation from the inside out. Because of the love of Jesus, I should live like Jesus. And he's saying, out with the old and in with the new. You with me? <laughs> and if you're like, well, man, I wonder what that looks like specifically. That's a good concept because the love of Jesus, I should live like D Jesus. What does that look like in everyday life? Well, Paul is glad you asked because he's going to tell you. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. <laughs> Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I don't know why. I feel like I should read that again. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I actually think these next two verses in chapter 5, I think, go along with it. I think they're kind of a summary statement. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you see in the passage I love how Paul, there was this balance of, of don't do this, but you should do this, right? Put off this, put on this. And again, I think it's a summary where he says, be imitators of God, love as Christ loved. I think the goal of this passage, what Paul's telling us, what God through Paul is telling us, his hope and desire is that people who know Jesus would be little mini-me's of Jesus. 
that we would begin, as we put off our old self and put on the mind of Christ and begin to live like him and want to reflect his nature and speak the way that he would speak, look at people the way that he would look at them, that all of a sudden as we go to class or you go to work or you're with your family, that you're like a little mini-me of Jesus walking into that room. (laughs) And through that, he begins to turn the world upside down, out with the old and in with the new. I was thinking about this. A a lot of you, a lot of us, were saved at at a pretty young age. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or anything. Meaning you, you came to Jesus, you got to know the gospel at a very young age. And I think sometimes this, this kind of stuff can mm, maybe put a little pressure or stress on you because you're like, like, man, this out with the old, in with the new, like putting off all these bad things. You feel like you don't have this crazy, terrible past. And the reality is probably, probably at seven years old, if you got saved to like seven years old, probably what is not your story is that you're like, so... Like we asked you to share a testimony on Sunday, and you're like, well, at seven years old when I came to Christ, the first thing I did was I went to my bedroom, and I got rid of all the drug paraphernalia. <laughs> and then I went to my secret cooler in the bedroom and dumped all the beer down the toilet. <laughs> and then I entered the witness protection program because I had to get out of some gangs. Like, you're seven years old. If that is your story, I'd like to meet you. That's crazy, right? Listen, I think what we see in this passage, what Paul's saying, it's not so much that you have this terrible past and now you're like, you're present, it's all bright and clean. The point is that because of Jesus, you are more and more looking like Jesus. So don't let this, the fact that you have like in your words, or sometimes my words, like this not exciting testimony, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. The point is that you've gone from death to life and that you're looking more and more like Jesus because of Jesus. You with me? Are you with me? The love of Jesus should change the way I live. I should live like Jesus. I mentioned this, this jacket a second ago. My wife calls it my Bruno Mars jacket. <laughs> um, I, intentionally, I intentionally chose this jacket. Uh, definitely, these are not my only two jackets. but I intentionally chose this one um, for two reasons. One, because... It is, it is a different-looking jacket, right? Like, I remember I went through uh, the drive through at Goldstrap one time, and I can't repeat what the guy said because I want to have corrupt talk. But um, I, I went through. He just kind of gave me this weird look. And the next time I went to the drive through he, like, raved about how awesome this jacket was. He was like, dude, that thing is, I, I just can't say it. But he was like, this thing is really awesome. Because it's different, right? It's different. Also, uh, that same day, though, as much as that guy liked it, I definitely got some weird looks driving around town. Like, at stoplights, you'd be like, what is, the, what is that guy doing? Um, as you put off the ways of the world and put on the ways of Christ, you're going to stand out. But isn't that kind of the point? <laughs> that as you live like Jesus, people go, I, there's something different about that, that girl or that dude. <laughs> The second reason I intentionally chose this jacket, honestly, is because it is kind of fun. <laughs> it's a fun jacket. I don't normally wear it, but it's a fun jacket. I think so often we hear a passage like this of put off your sin, put off your old self, put on the new self, put on Christ, and we think, well, my life's about to get lame if I do that, right? 
I wholeheartedly disagree. The more that I put off my sinful ways and put on Christ, the more I enjoy life. (laughs) It doesn't mean it's easy. These are hard things to do because, again, you're swimming against the current of your own sinful flesh and you're swimming against the current of, of human nature and the world around us. But as I live more like Jesus, there's joy in that. I love what Psalm 16 says, that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and unending pleasures forevermore. So all the things of this world, they may be like delightful for a little while. It may be fun for a little bit to slander somebody or to steal something. I'm, I guess I, I stole something. I don't know. Anyways, like, it may be fun to do those things for a little bit, but the joy ends real quick, Right? The pleasure of walking with Jesus and knowing him, those pleasures are forevermore. You're never going to reach the end and be like, Jesus, you know what? I'm done with you. Today was not fun. Like, no, it never ends. It never runs out. So don't buy the lie from Satan that putting off your sinful ways and putting on the ways of Christ is going to lead to a lame life. (laughs) I actually think the people in our lives that we look at and say, man, there's something different about them. There's something special about them. And when they walk into a room, they just bring this joy with them. It's because they put on the newness in Christ. Here's how I want to I finish today. And here's our one big idea. But I want to finish by asking us three simple questions. We'll kind of settle into these for a minute. So the first one is, do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know the love of Jesus? of Jesus. Too often in our churches, in our, in our society, we think Christianity is just about morality. And morals do matter. But if you don't get it in the right order of first knowing the love of Jesus, you can't change yourself. True transformation from the inside out begins with Jesus. So the question is, do you know the love of Jesus? I think so many of us this morning may need to consider the big idea, because of the love of Jesus, I should live like Jesus. We should maybe camp out on that first part. Maybe you are a Christian, and you're just like not being overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to do the second part, living like him, but you've not been settling into the first part. Again, Paul wrote three chapters before he got into all this practical application of how we should live. He wrote three chapters about the love and the grace of God. So even as a Christian, you need to like settle in and reflect on the love of Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, you don't, like you flat out don't know the love of God. You've never experienced his forgiveness, his grace offered you to you through his life and death and resurrection. Maybe we'd love to talk with you about that this morning. And really simply just saying, Jesus, I, wanna, I believe in you. I want to commit my life to you. I, I accept your forgiveness. And I want to live for you. After the service, we'll have some folks back at the Welcome Center that would love to, to unpack that a little more with you or even pray with you if you like that. The second question, this may seem kind of random. The second question is, have you been baptized? <laughs> I, I said, I know this seems kind of random, but the reason this came to mind is I think baptism is such a beautiful picture of what this passage is talking about. That you are, I could use a mannequin, but it could probably fall apart. But the idea that you're buried with Christ in baptism, you're putting off the old self, right? And you're raised to walk in newness of life. I and mean, that's why we, I think it's biblical immersion, not just sprinkling, because it's a picture of death to your old self, putting off the old self, and raising to have a new life in Christ. So this morning, I wanna ask you, like, if you know the love of Jesus, you are a Christian, 
have you been baptized? It's not what makes you saved, but it's really the first step in, in following Jesus and being obedient to him. You could even say like putting on the new self. And so if you've not been baptized, I would love to, to personally talk with you back at the Welcome Center afterwards and just talk about what that looks like. It, it's really simple. It's not, you're not going to like come up out of the water and see the light shining and doves flying around you. Like, no, it's just, it's a picture of what God has done on the inside. Have you been baptized? Man, if you haven't, let's do this. What a cool picture of death to life and putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And then a third question is, what clothes do you need to get rid of so you can put on your new clothes? I could have done it, but it's really hard. It would have been hard to put on this jacket if I still had this one on, right? Again, I think it's a both end. You got to put off the old self, put on the new self. Just a quick little picture of this. It has, doesn't have to do with clothes. But uh, I started with Carolina Tate. I'll, I'll finish with her. We, when she was really first starting to not just walk, but crawl on things, you know how kids do, climbing and stuff. Um, she was trying to get on the ottoman, which the ottoman is like, is like you know, that tall, I don't know. But when you're, when you're like 10 months old, that's, that's quite the feat. So she um, was trying to get up there, but she has this thing, she's been around her. She's a, uh, maybe like you would say she's a hoarder <laughs> for 19 months. So if she has something, she wants to hold on to it. So she'll have her milk, her bunny, a book, and a baseball just walking around. <laughs> she, mine, mine. I'm like, stop it, sinful nature. <laughs> um, but she was trying to climb up on the ottoman. She was trying to like get to this new height, accomplish this new thing of conquering the ottoman. She was trying to do it with all this stuff. And she kept, she couldn't do it because she could, she was like doing this and she would flip over and cry. And, and she just kept trying over and over. And so finally, I, she didn't understand. I'm like, you, you can't hang on to all that stuff and get up there. You just can't. Finally, I guess, you know, it clicked with her, not because of my words. She just tried enough that, and failed enough that she finally figured it out. She finally dropped everything except for a milk. You don't let go of the milk. But she pretty much let go of everything. And just like that, she climbed up, up on the ottoman. How many of us in our life, we're, we're clinging to our old clothes. We know Christ is calling us to be like him, to live like him, to shine like him. But we want to hang on to these old sins, these old thought patterns. And so we're, we can't get there. We can't climb up. God's saying, let it go. Put it down. I've got some new clothes that could help you climb to be the person I want you to be, but you got to let go of the old clothes. Every single Christian in this room, I believe the Holy Spirit could bring something to mind of some clothes that you need to get rid of. <laughs> like if you're sitting here like, well, I sure hope my son's listening to this. Like you should listen to it too. <laughs> we all have clothes that we need to get rid of. Like if Jesus came to the clothes closet of your life, would you be embarrassed? I don't mean because it's got a cuss word on the shirt or immodest. I mean, like, metaphorically speaking, if he came, maybe those things are true too, but if he came to the closed closet of your life, would he be going, why do you have this jacket still? Brandon, like, why after all these years do you still have this shirt? Throw it away, bro. I've got new clothes for you, and they're pretty awesome. They may make you stand out in the world. No, correction. They are going to make you stand out in the world, but they fit you just right. Out with the old, in with the new. What clothes do you need to get rid of so you can put on the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus and be a little mini-me of him? As we sing this song a minute, I want you to think about that, pray through that. If y'all would pray with me right now.
God, we're grateful for your love. We're grateful for the fact that you do give us a new wardrobe of clothes to put on, God, so we can live like you and be like you. Lord, I, man, I do pray that myself included, that everyone in this room, that we would begin to be little mini-me's of Jesus, that as we go to our schools, our places of work, hang out with our families, that we would live and be like you, and that people would look at us and not see our old, raggedy, sinful clothes that we've worn out and tattered through the same stupid mistakes, but instead they would look at us and say that you've clothed, up, clothed us with your righteousness, with your love and grace and peace and mercy patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. They would see those things on us and that because of that, they would want to know your love. God, as we sing, bring us back to the simple pursuit of leaving behind the things of this world and just simply pursuing you and your love and your goodness. God, we love you. I pray you would speak to us now as we sing. So in your name we pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.